please why was that funny <laughs> and megan it's 30 nights of halloween and guess what tonight megan. is that's oh i almost smelled by smelled oh off here to we a go night start <laughs> here we go um it's halloween it's the best it's night the of the year most wonderful time sorry i'm adjusting myself okay <laughs> Yeah, it's Halloween. It's so crazy that the month has already, like, flown by. Yeah, it went by really super fast. I know. Sad. But it's okay, because in a few weeks we'll just start recording episodes about Krampus and the Winter Solstice and (laughs) the Grinch. Oh, yeah. The Grinch. I love that movie. I made Connor watch it like three times last year. And you know and what day tomorrow is in the Gamble household. It's Christmas decorating. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it is time. Wow. I remember, I think I've told this before on this on this podcast, but I remember November 7th. 2016 we'll never forget pretty sure it was 2016 it might have been 15 but um i come home november 7th and i open the door and the way our apartment worked was the stair you would open the door and there were stairs immediately to like this the floor we were on and so i open the stair or (laughs) open the stairs (laughs) can't do that i open the door and i look up and there's a wall at the top of like the stairs and I see a picture of like Christmas stuff and I'm like what and then I hear like have a holly jolly (laughs) Christmas and I'm like what (laughs) and then I'm like walking and I see like more decorations and I'm like what (laughs) and then I see Hillary with her Christmas tree and she's like hi (laughs) she's like decorating the tree and I'm like what? (laughs) What is going on? So yeah, Hillary decorates like the first day she can. Yes. I would keep my Christmas decorations up like all year long if I could get away with it, but. What? There's a song called Redneck Woman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I do live in Alabama. my Christmas lights (laughs) on my front porch all year long. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... Anyways, this is supposed to be a Halloween episode, and here we are talking about freaking Christmas. <laughs> Anyways, it's the final episode of 13 Days of Halloween, and it's the Halloween episode mm-hmm. where we're going to, like, you know, tell you about Halloween. Yay. 
Let's get started. <laughs> I called Hillary a redneck, so she's offended. Yeah, I'm I done. I wasn't calling you a redneck. I was just saying there's a song about that. Anyways. So, where did Halloween even start? The answer is, it actually has Celtic origins. A lot of scholars agree that Halloween started around 2,000 years ago, when the Celtic people in Europe and what is now Ireland and Scotland um, celebrated the end of the harvest and the start of a new year. It's called Sowin, and when you look at the spelling, it does not look like Sowin. It looks like Shaman, but it's that good old um, Celtic pronunciation. Uh, if my mom had named me Siobhan, my name would have been spelt S-I-O-B-A-H-N. <laughs> And that is pronounced Siobhan. So, anyways. The fire festival that marked the beginning of the dark half of the year. During this festival, the world of the gods was believed to be made visible to humans. Ghosts and spirits from other worlds were thought to return to earth this day. To appease the deities, sacrifices of crops and animals were burned in bonfires. Tricks and pranks were often played, but they blamed it on fairies and spirits when the line between the two worlds was blurred. The Druids, or Celtic priests, believed that this was the best time to predict the future, so fortune-telling was done with the sacrifices. The participants of the festival wore costumes like animals or, um, or beasts to try and fool the spirits from harming them. The festival would evolve after time, especially with the influence of Christianity. In the year 609, the Pope declared a day called All Saints Day, or known as All Hallows. The festival was a day to honor Christian martyrs and saints. I kind of think it's fun, though, to think that whether you realize it or not, if you're celebrating Halloween, you're celebrating a pagan holiday and the legacy of ancient Celts who celebrated death and rebirth. It's literally what Halloween is. And as a kid, I used to swear up and down that I would see way more bats on Halloween night than any other year. I don't know if I was looking for them, but I swear I saw them. And there's actually a reason for it. Um, I learned that when the Celts would light the bonfires during the festival, it would attract bugs and bugs attract bats. That's, that's why. Science. Mm-hmm. In uh, folklore, it was said that bats were hairbingers of death and doom. Did you know also in Nova Scotian mythology... They believe that if a bat settles in a house, a man in the family will die. Or if a bat flies around the house, a woman will die. So pretty really? much if a, house get, uh, if a house gets stuck in your bat. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in. If a house gets stuck in your bat. I hope that doesn't happen. If a bat gets stuck in your house, you're screwed because someone's dying. It's just whatever. Okay, so then when I thought about bats, I was like, what other superstitions are there that surround Halloween? Like, what else do you think about when you think of Halloween? During the Halloween season, lots of superstitions are made known even more. So superstitions that already exist are like, like in the month of October, people are like 100% even more like in tuned with the superstitions. If you see a black cat, you should avoid it at all costs because of bad luck. That's what you think of. A lot of people think. In the Middle Ages, people believed, though, that witches would turn themselves into black cats, which is what started it all. So people would avoid black cats because they swore it was a witch, not just a cat. Hmm. And a sad thing is supposedly black cats are actually the least likely animal to be adopted in shelters. 
No, but, but I do. So pretty. I know, but it's sad. But I do remember at our apartment, which is funny because like, there's so many things of like, black cats are witches or black cats are like Satan. The skies are whatever. Black cats are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a a what are the, a familiar like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I remember when we lived in our apartment. I went up to my car one day. I still have videos of the cat. And there was a freaking black cat under my car. Mm. And I was like, hello. And it looked at me and I was like, meow. And I was like, okay, meow back. Get out. I need to, I need to leave. <laughs> and it was like, it just was like all happy and whatever. And I tried to pet it and it immediately like tried to bite me. And it was like hissing at me. And I was like, okay, you're under my car. And I couldn't move the cat. I had to sit there and wait for it to get out. I think I actually ended up getting a stick and like poking it. And literally it was like mm. trying to eat my face. No, and it started off super nice, and I was like, "That I think I just came in like contact with Satan or demon or something." I was just scared. <laughs> I don't think so. It was a real. It was he was being real nice at the beginning. It wasn't until I tried to move him from under my car. He was. Probably I don't know. Warm. I don't know if you remember this story or not, but it was when I was um, when I went to class, like you know, pre-COVID. It's like two two years ago probably and I parked my car and there was a black cat in the school parking lot and it followed me like to the building and then it sat outside and waited for me to get out and followed me back to my car I posted it on snapchat but I don't know sometimes I think about like did I actually know that cat maybe that cat knew you maybe that's Mm -hmm. your familiar and it's like hello yeah we have a little black kitten that runs around our neighborhood now Mm mm-hmm See, yeah, I like black cats. If I could have a cat, I would totally have a black cat. But I'm allergic, so mm, I can't too. have them. Same. I'll die. Um, another thing about superstitions, too, is ladders. We don't like to walk under ladders. Apparently it has to do with Egyptians. Like, back in the day, like, ancient Egyptians, the triangle was, like, a sacred shape. So um, they didn't want anyone messing with the triangle. So you couldn't walk under something that was a triangle shape ladders it would cause something bad luck breaking mm-hmm. um breaking a mirror is bad luck and what other ones i feel like there's someone that i'm missing that's like a like a oh if you step on a crack you break your mother's back mm-hmm. like those things yeah do you have any like superstitions that you think about that you're like i can't do that because or are those like all like the the normal ones I think those are the normal ones. I think that my weird quirks are more like OCD than they are superstitions. <laughs> superstitions. <laughs> so another superstition kind of thing that I thought about was, it's not really a superstition, Superstition. it's actually like an, a thing that happens and happened, but to me, Halloween Eve was always the scariest day for me as a kid because I lived in Michigan and I lived right outside of Detroit. And there's this thing called Devil's Night, and bad things happen, and it's not really a superstition, but it just got me thinking about it. And I remember as a kid being so terrified and worried about my cat. That's why I talked Mm -hmm. about superstitions about cats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Because I remember someone telling me that if my cat was found outside on Devil's Night, it would end up dead. Mm. Yeah, so messed up. Which, when you're like a five or nine-year-old, That's, like, really terrifying to think about, that if your cat's outside, it's going to die. And I don't know what the fascination was on Devil's Nights with cats and why they would kill people's cats. It was literally Mm -hmm. just cats. Just cats. So I don't know if it falls in line with that superstition thing or it's just, like, rebellion. But 
Devil's Night really isn't anything to do with spirits or ghosts or the paranormal. It's actually a day where locals just set fire to their own city. Which is really fucked up. They would literally set uh, fire to houses, buildings, cars, dumpsters, you name it. It was all on fire. Between 1979 and 2010, more than 100 fires broke out each year. Each year. And not like through the year. Each year, like Halloween Eve, 100 fires would break out. The worst year was 1984. Firefighters responded to more than 800 fires that covered the city in a smoky haze on Halloween morning. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Over the past nine years or so, the fires have actually declined, which is, which is pretty great. I think it's because in a fight against Devil's Night, the city came up with Angel's Night, a way to combat the fires that were breaking out. And in 1994, 354 briars in 1994, 354 briars, briars, <laughs> briars. In 1994, 354 fires broke out, which sparked the need for Angel's Night. And around 50,000 volunteers patrolled the streets, stopping those from causing chaos and terror. No one really knows when Devil's Night started or the origin of it, but the phrase dates back to the 20th century when printers. W- but the phrase dates back to the 20th century when pranksters rang doorbells, soaped windows, and stole buggies. I thought that was interesting that a prank was soaping someone's window. What is soaping a window? Soaping a window? It's like the 20th century, so. Yeah, I don't... Like early 1900s. I don't know. And how is it a prank? (laughs) Thank you for cleaning my window. Maybe, like, when the soap dries, it, like, it's hard to, like, get off. Yeah, is it, like, a mustard and bologna thing? But if you put mustard and bologna on someone's cars, it ruins the paint? Or, like, forking people's yard. I did think of a superstition, though. <laughs> what is it? So, I heard, and now, like, I've never had anybody gift me something sharp. But I heard that if somebody, like, gives you something sharp, like a knife or something like that, you're supposed to, like give away a penny or give them a penny or something like that have you ever heard of that no but i've given my dad a lot of knives for his birthday so what happens he's if supposed they don't? to either uh, <laughs> whatever happens when you don't follow the <laughs> superstition bad luck <laughs> yeah bad luck yeah that's the one i thought of when you're talking though thinking about all these pranks though makes me think about um uh <laughs> i'm telling it because i think it's funny so it has to do with a guy back in the day when we lived in those apartments. Remember when we moved in and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? And our neighbor <laughs> was a guy that I knew. Oh, yeah. And he was like yeah. outside playing like hacky sack as we're moving in. And I was like, I swear these look familiar. And I didn't know why. And then I was like, this is a joke. <laughs> this is literally a joke. So anyways, I went to a party with um, some friends and this girl was there and I'm not going to say her name or anything, but she was there and we were talking and she was like, um, I don't know how it started, but somehow we were talking, we were both drunk. We're drunk girls talking. Okay. And Mm -hmm. we were telling each other these stories and like a boys got brought up. Right. And I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I never said the name. And she's like, oh my God, my blah, my guy that I'm seeing is like this too. And I'm like, really? And then we just kept, and we were like, wait, what's the name of the guy that you're seeing? And then we both were like, it's this dude. And she was like, what? And she was pissed, right? 
And of course, we're two drunk girls pissed that a boy is talking to both of us and playing us. I think we both texted him and he didn't say anything about it. We like called him out. And then I threw up that night and she took care of me. And then we were in bed because they put us in a bed together because we were just like screaming at the top of our lungs about how much we needed him. (laughs) And she just looks at me and she goes, do you want to egg his house? And I said, let's egg his car. And she said, let's egg his car. And then I, she said, um, she said, do you want to like do mustard and like bologna and like feathers? And I said, whatever you want to do, let's do it. This is before Hillary and I moved in, by the way. So I text her. We both wore all black and had like black hats on and we just brought eggs and we ran, we like, we parked across the street from where he lived. We ran to where he lived. He lived in a freaking, we lived, lived in like pretty much like apartments, but like you had your own section, I guess you could say. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he lived on the first one, like the lower level. So we went over there to where his car is and we both knew what car he drove because hello, we were been in this car and he's not, his car's not there because they are repaving the ground. Mm. So we look at each other and like, what, what do we do? And, and she just takes the egg and she throws it at the front door of his apartment. Mm. So then we just threw a whole bunch of eggs at his door and then ran around and threw them out all the windows. Oh my god. And then, and then that's why I knew it looked so familiar when we moved in. Because I, I had been there because I egged someone's house. <laughs> so... Mm. Connor, don't exposing break my heart. everything huh <laughs> exposing everything yeah anyway just egg the inside of your apartment <laughs> just, your door's inside the building <laughs> connor comes home and i just throw an egg at his face <laughs> um but yeah so that's the story about um pranking i guess i don't know i just felt like i had to tell that story because it's literally hilarious how two girls can come together and be like screw this person I feel like almost every single one of my best friends I've become best friends with. Oh my gosh, because of like mutual guys. I don't know what guys think they're going to get out of that. Like they're just like, I'm going to mess with two girls. And then they think that we're going to like hate each other for it. No, Mm -hmm. girl code is screw you. We're going to become best friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that scene out of um, Step Brothers when when we made eye contact at at that, uh, that one place. (laughs) <laughs> did we just become best friends <laughs> i think so anyways okay now that okay. megan has like talked for an hour about freaking stupid stuff eggs <laughs> eggs <laughs> i'm gonna jump into my story now i'm gonna talk about halloween coming to america i found this interesting because megan has been talking in the past few episodes about protestant beliefs One of the things that I read was that Halloween originally was only popular in, like, Maryland and in the southern colonies, which I thought was pretty cool. But this is because Protestants obviously thought it was, like, pure evil because of how it started and it just evolved over time. So it was not practiced in the areas that Protestant belief is very heavy. Now, with almost everything in the world... There is a way that Halloween was celebrated, and then it was Americanized. And what happened was the European Halloween culture and Native culture melted together, and this new version of Halloween celebrations formed. They would have these things called play parties, where people would celebrate the harvest. 
groups would gather together to share stories of the dead, fortune telling, and of course they would sing and dance together. By the mid-1800s, fall festivals were very popular all over America, and you could tell the difference between a fall festival and a Halloween festival by if people were like telling ghost stories or pranking each other. That was kind of like what was the big difference in the gatherings. Irish immigrants played a huge role in creating Halloween traditions that we still observe today. Costumes, sweets for neighbors, and carving jack-o'-lanterns were all part of the culture brought over by the immigrants that were escaping the Irish potato famine. It was Celtic tradition and belief that on Halloween, ghosts would come back to haunt the earth. If anyone needed to leave their home on this night, they would wear masks and hope that they would not be recognized by any dark spirits and they wouldn't be mistaken, or they would be mistaken as being also a ghost. One thing I found really weird is that I read that the Irish were the ones that brought carving pumpkins for jack-o'-lanterns, like that tradition, and before we carved pumpkins, like, we carved turnips. So, thank goodness for the Irish. Good old would not turnips. Be carving. I actually remember seeing, like, turnips being mm-hmm. carved. Like, just imagine if we were posting pictures on our Instagram today of turnips. Look at my turnip. Happy Halloween. Super spooky. Here's a turnip. <laughs> Trick-or-treating is a tradition that is believed to come from the All Souls Day par- Okay. Trick-or-treating is a tradition that is believed to come from the All Souls Day parade in England. Poor people of England would beg for food, and then they would be given pastries called soul cakes. Do you see what I typed? Oh, I said they'd be given pasties. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm. I would love to see a whole bunch of people running around with pasties on Halloween. Yeah. Poor people <laughs> of England would beg for food and then would be given pastries called soul cakes by local families in their district. The poor would promise to pay for the family's dead relatives as payment for the cakes. The church encouraged families to go out and give the soul cakes to the poor. Previous to the parade, they would leave food and wine for lost souls on their doorstep. Thinking that these ghosts or spirits were taking their offering, however, it was actually those living in poverty or those that were homeless that were actually taking the food left on the doorstep. They also sent their kids out to do something called going a souling, and children would go door-to-door in their areas, and they would ask to be given ale, food, and money. On Halloween night, people would leave bowls of food outside their homes to stop the ghosts from entering. But now back to America. So, Halloween was very popular in the mid-1800s, but by like the early 1900s, it started getting a semi-bad rap. Parties and festivals were still encouraged, but the community leadership and um, church leaders and different figures like that began making it mandatory that people take out the ghosts and the pranks and the witchcraft and anything that could be mistaken as evil or scary. Anything fun. Anything fun. (laughs) And because it was so gutted, people just stopped celebrating it as much, and it kind of phased out. 
thankfully, (laughs) it was revived around the 1920s when families began trick-or-treating again. And it was also between the 20s and the 50s that people had to have treats in order to not get tricked. So that's where the whole trick-or-treat smell my feet, that song came into play. Since then, Halloween has been celebrated in this country consistently for 100 years. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then COVID. Yeah. Well, we'll still have it in Alabama. <laughs> well, we won't have it here. <laughs> Sorry. 20s, man. Mm-hmm. 20s brought all the cool stuff back, right? Yeah. Isn't that when the prohibition yeah. stopped or started? I don't know what that means. <laughs> you don't know what it means? I don't know what the prohibition means. We got alcohol back or we got it taken away. It's taken away. <laughs> Prohibiting, <laughs> prohibited alcohol, <laughs> the prohibition. Oh my gosh, I was playing with this Instagram app the other day, or this like filter, and it's like questions, and it's like asking, it's like, what country is known for this? And I'm like, I, I, like, I can't play this anymore because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, prohibition. I don't know what the prohibition is. My name is Megan. I, I wouldn't say that in out loud. Alabama. <laughs> huh? I wouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, anyways, it's it's um I'm tired. That's my excuse. Mm-mm. So, um I guess we can go into some like stories of stuff that happened on Halloween, right? Yeah. Mhm. So, we decided that we were going to tell some like scary stories or things that happened, some events that happened on Halloween. So, my story is kind of sad, kind of eerie, and a reason why you should always check your kids' candy, even if a family member is with them. It was October 31st, 1974, and Ronald Clark O'Brien was taking his two children trick-or-treating in Texas. They went along with their neighbor and his two children, and the kids started to get impatient when people wouldn't answer the doors and ran ahead. O'Brien stayed behind and eventually caught up to the group a few houses down. O'Brien had found five 21-inch pixie sticks and said that someone at one of the houses gave them to him. So they had gone to a few houses, and the reason why the kids got all impatient was because multiple houses weren't answering. They weren't opening their doors, their lights were off. And so he said that he went back to a house whose lights were off that ignored them, and then went back the second time to go ahead and get candy from him. And then that's where the five pixie sticks came from. Hmm. O'Brien gave the sticks to uh, his neighbor's two children and his son, Timothy, his, and his daughter, Elizabeth. When they got home, O'Brien gave the last pixie stick to a boy from the neighbor, um, the boy from a neighborhood who also attended their church. Before they went to bed, Timothy asked if he could have his candy and pick the huge pixie stick. After eating the candy, he complained that it was bitter, and his dad gave him some Kool-Aid to try to get rid of the bitterness. But Timothy started to complain that his stomach hurt, and then he ran to the bathroom, vomited, and started to convulse. Timothy died less than an hour after consuming the candy on the way to the hospital. Now, what Mm -hmm. actually happened? His death from poison Halloween candy sparked a fear in the community. Tons of parents returned candy to the police, fearing that this candy was laced with the same poison that killed poor Timothy. At first, the police didn't suspect uh, Timothy's dad of anything until an autopsy revealed that the pixie stick was laced with a fatal dose of potassium cyanide. The kid that got the stick from the dad at their house, the little neighborhood boy, 
He was actually found asleep with it in his hand. Um, and he had not been able to open it because it was stapled shut. Like, stapled <laughs> shut. Not, like, glued nicely. Someone stapled yeah. it. According to the doctors working on the case, the pixie stick that Timothy ingested contained enough cyanide to kill at least two grown adults, while the other four had enough cyanide to kill three to four grown adults. When interviewed, O'Brien told police he couldn't remember where the pixie stick came from. Uh, the police found out that the children and parents had only been on two streets since it was raining, so they only went two streets for trick-or-treating, and that was it. And then the police found out that none of the homes were actually giving out any pixie sticks so the suspicion leaned towards o'brien the dad went on to say a man slightly opened the door of his house and had a hairy arm and no words were exchanged she just handed him the pixie sticks closed the door and that was it what i know the house did belong to a man but he wasn't even home at this time and nearly 200 people confirmed that he was at work as an air traffic controller Mm. which is like you know kind of trace that stuff easily yeah Police then learned that O'Brien was over $100,000 in debt, in which today is over $500,000 in debt. He was unable to hold a job, and in the year before all of this had happened, he had had over 20 different job titles. In January 1974, he had taken out a $10,000, which is equivalent to $50,000 life insurance policy on both of his children. And when police arrested him, he was suspected of theft at his job and was close to being fired. His car was about to be repossessed, and he had defaulted on several bank loans. One month before Timothy died, O'Brien had taken another $20,000 out on both children, and just days before the event happened, he had taken another $20,000 out. Jeez. So in all, he had taken close to $60,000 out on both of his children in insurance, life insurance. Mm-hmm. O'Brien's wife also said that she had no idea that he was doing any of this, nor did she mm-hmm. know he was even in debt. She had no idea. What? The, I, right? I, but this is also, like, the 70s, so, like, yeah. how involved was she in that stuff? Probably not. Exactly, so it's probably why. Um, I better freaking know if we're ever $500,000 in debt. Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? I won't be pissed. <laughs> The morning after Timothy's death, O'Brien called his insurance company to inquire about collecting the policies he had taken out on his son. What? Apparently, though, because um, he was under an uh, inspection, I guess, they were, like, mm-hmm. inspecting his stuff, they had found out he had gone to some, like, drug store place thing, I don't know, place to pick up cyanide. Mm-hmm. He never bought anything, but he had gone there. And because he was under um, inspection, what's the word for that? I don't know the word, but because he was, like, being watched pretty much, mm-hmm. um, the insurance Surve- company had him flagged. Surveillance, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, his The insurance company had him flagged, so they were like, no, you can't have the money because you're literally being interviewed and stuff like that for mm-hmm. the death of your child. Um, on June 3rd, 1975, June 3rd, 1975, this is pretty long after the kid Mm -hmm. died a jury took only 46 minutes to find o'brien guilty of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder the jury took 71 minutes to sentence him to death 
Shortly after he was convicted, his wife filed for divorce, and she later remarried her new husband, who adopted her daughter, Elizabeth. O'Brien's first execution date was set for August 8, 1980, and his attorney successfully petitioned for a stay of execution, meaning that he didn't get killed. A second date was scheduled for May 25th of 1982, and that date was also postponed. Judge Michael McSpadden scheduled a third execution date for October 31st mm. of 1982. The eighth, the eighth anniversary, though, of the crime. Eight years later. Well, they usually take a long time for, like, I know. Death People sit on, like, um... Death row. The, yeah, death row for years and mm-hmm. years. And the judge actually offered to personally drive O'Brien to the death chamber because he had, like, gotten off so many times. Another thing, too, was O'Brien had no friends in jail. He was completely shunned by everyone in there because in, in prison, it's a big no-no to do anything to a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, people there have, like, murdered, like, 30 men, and you do anything to a child, and you're going to be on, like, the hate list there. Like, yeah. period. So he had no friends, and he just kind of sat in his cell all day and did nothing. Um, so this whole thing was going to be the first time that Texas executed an inmate by lethal injection. And the Supreme Court delayed the date yet again to give O'Brien a chance to pursue an appeal to seek a new trial. A fourth date was scheduled for March 31st, 1984. My birthday. <laughs> Not 1984, though. Don't tell people that. Close. <laughs> uh for March 31st, 1984, O'Brien's lawyer sought a fourth stay on the basis that lethal injection was cruel and unusual punishment. On March 28th, a federal judge rejected the request, and on March 31st, 1984, shortly after midnight, O'Brien was executed by lethal injection. Sorry, Hillary, he died on her your birthday. Mm. During the execution, this is insane. During the execution... A crowd of 300 demonstrators gathered outside the prison and cheered while some yelled, trick or treat. That's fucked up. And others showered anti-death penalty demonstrators with candy. Mm. So they are yelling, trick or treat. Mm-hmm. And then the people that are there saying, like, this is wrong to kill someone, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other people were giving them candy. That is messed up. Is I mean, like... Up screw O'Brien, he should die, but, like, it's almost like making fun of a death of a child. But I thought that was pretty crazy that, uh, um, I've heard that story before. I don't know where I've heard that story, but I've definitely heard the story about, like, the dad killing his children for Mm -hmm. money, which is, like, so messed up. Like, how low of a person can you be? And what kind of problem do you have that you did that, like, besides mental? Like, is it a gambling problem? Like, do you have an addiction? Like, how'd you lose all that money? What happened? And how do you hate your children so much that you would kill them? Yeah. Blows my mind. So, after I found that story, I was like, okay, this is pretty dark. Especially because I've talked about, like, children dying a few times on this podcast. So, I was like, okay, (laughs) let's not think people think that I'm, like, crazy. So, I tried to find something lighthearted as well to talk about involving Halloween. So... The War of the Worlds novel was published in 1898, and it was a book about Martians invading London. It's about a man and his brother struggling to stay alive through this whole thing. It's actually one of the earliest stories to have a conflict of human and aliens, which is pretty interesting because it came out in 1898, so the fact that they're, like, a whole story about, like, 1898, that's way before a lot of, our, like, technology, and they're talking about, like, UFOs and stuff like that. It's insane. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, when did, um, what's his name with the book? Vern, what's the name? Vern, From the Earth to the Moon, Jules Verne. Mm, Jules Verne. That one was way what? before its time. Yeah, what was the release date on that? 1865. So these guys probably read From Earth to the Moon and then wrote this. Yep. Way before their time. So 40 years after the publication in 1938, an up-and-coming writer, Orson Welles, was trying to find new dramatic ideas to, te- to tell stories on his Mercury Theater on air. The shows were broadcasted by CBS from Radio City in New York. The audience was a small and steady one, but for Halloween, Wells wanted to spice things up a bit, and he wanted to do a fake newscast and discuss the idea with his producer. They actually purchased the radio rights for the novel and started a radio-friendly format. He wanted to make it seem as though there was a crisis actually happening on air. And at 8 p.m. on Sunday, October 30th, 1938, the show aired. It began as a simulation of a normal evening broadcast featuring a weather report and music by Raymond Raquello and his orchestra live from their Meridian room in the Hotel Park Plaza in downtown New York. After a few minutes, the music begins to be interrupted by several news flashes about strange uh, gases explosions seen on Mars through telescopes on Earth. What? Uh, reporter... It's so funny because, like, back then they're like, yeah, yeah, you can see that. That's You can see that in real time. And now we're like, okay. And no. <laughs> that's not how that works. Um, reporter Carl Phillips interviews Princeton-based astronomy professor Richard Pearson, who's played by Wells. So, like, they're acting, mm-hmm. right? And dismisses speculations about any life on Mars. And the musical program returns but is interrupted once again by news of a strange meteorite landing in Grover's Mill. Phillips and Pearson are dispatched to the site where a large crowd has gathered. Phillips describes the chaotic atmosphere around the strange cylindrical object, and Pearson admits that he does not know exactly what it is, but that it seems to be made of an extraterrestrial material. The cylinder unscrews, and Phillips describes a horrific tentacled monster that emerges from inside. Uh, this is like a big show, too. This is insane. It like blows yeah. my mind how like much the, uh, effort they put in. Police officers approach the Martian waving a flag of truce, but the invaders respond by firing a heat ray, a heat ray, which incinerates the group and ignites the nearby woods and cars as the crowd screams and attempts to flee. Phillips' shouts about incoming flames are cut off mid-sentence, and after a moment of silence, an announcer explains that the remote broadcast was interrupted due to some technical difficulties with our field transmission. Much of New Jersey in this whole broadcast is now on flames. Eventually, a news reporter broadcasting from the roof of the studio building in Manhattan describes the Martian invasion of New York City. Buildings are burning and people everywhere are dying. He reads one last bulletin stating that Martian cylinders have fallen all over the U.S. and then describes a cloud of poisonous smoke slowly moving down the street until he coughs, chokes, and falls silent, leaving only the sound of the city under attack in the background. (laughs) Bravo, bravo. Many listeners only heard portions of the broadcast and mistook it for a genuine news broadcast. Anxiety levels were a little higher than usual, uh, than usual across the U.S. at the time because of the growing political tensions in Europe. Consequently, this horrific alien invasion tapped into the slowing, rising fear and paranoia of many. Thousands rushed to share the false report with others or called CBS and the newspapers. 
And I read that people were like, the, it was like half of the people that tuned in for it. So it was like a million people tuned in and like half of those people Mm -hmm. actually reported. And people were literally saying New Jersey is under attack by Martians. Like every report was like, (laughs) New Jersey is under attack from Martians. All because no one was like truly paying attention to what was happening. Mm -hmm. And Orson Welles did exactly what he intended to. And his name is forever remembered as the one that staged an alien invasion. It's hilarious. I know. I think it's a, that's a funny story. This man was just like, spice up Halloween. Let's do something fun. And then New Jersey and New York are like, we're dying. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Jeez. I guess it's not that funny, but it is pretty funny. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But aside from alien invasions and terrible things happening, Halloween is actually known as something else. A night of romance. <laughs> A night of romance. (laughs) For many, Halloween was about love instead of the dead. Oh, instead of the dead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Instead of ghosts and scary stuff and evil, (laughs) a lot of young girls would, like, look forward to Halloween thinking that some fortune teller or some witch or somebody was going to be able to tell them, like, you're going to end up with this person. You're going to fall in love. Mm-hmm. And they usually went to these people in hopes that they would tell them who that they would get married to by the next Halloween, which is, like, kind of a, a short time period. Mm-hmm. One thing in Ireland that they did was there was a thing called a matchmaking cook, and they might bury a ring in, like, a pot of mashed potatoes on Halloween night. And then, I guess they would give the mashed potatoes to several people. And whoever got the ring in their potatoes, like, a king cake baby, uh, would be the one who would bring true love into their life. Do you know people here don't know what a king cake is? What? Yep. It's not a normal thing. It's a king cake. Yes, it is. I said something. It's a king cake. Someone said, it's Mardi Gras. And I said, oh, we should get a king cake. And they were like, a king cake? I was like, you know, the cake that has like a baby in it? And they were like, (laughs) Megan, what kind of Alabama shit are you on now? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Y'all don't know what a king cake is? And they're like, no. I'm like, what? But now I'm remembering like back to my old job when we would have king cakes for lunch. Mm-hmm. And some kids would get pretty freaked out finding a little plastic baby in their, in their dessert. So, one time, <laughs> I don't think it's normal. One time we had a king cake, and I got the last piece, and it was before me and my boyfriend started dating. And he was upset that I got the last piece, and he was like, you have to share it because you got the last piece because that's just him. And so I gave him, like, one bite of my king cake, and he got the bite with the baby in it. And he ended up keeping it, and it was just, like, this funny thing that we would, like, swap around for, like, almost a year. Like, every time we would see each other, we would just, like, give each other the baby. And you didn't know he liked you. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> Get out of here. The king cake was playing freaking the king plague the king plague the king cake. I didn't realize that it was like an Irish witch. The that king put us cake together. was playing a matchmaking cook. 
<laughs> it said, hey, yo, I found one. <laughs> there it is. Worked out pretty well, so. <laughs> In Scotland, fortune tellers would actually have girls name, so you would, like, name a hazelnut, and you would name them for each of your suitors, and then you would toss those hazelnuts into a fireplace, and some of them would start popping or exploding, but the one that didn't pop or explode, the one that kind of turned into ash, represented the Mm -hmm. girl's future husband. There are versions of this legend, though, that says, like, the opposite of it. So if the hazelnut actually burned, it symbolized that the love would not last. Which, to me, that's just kind of like, so which one is it? (laughs) Like, those are two completely different (laughs) things. If it burns all the way... I have no love ever. The love is gone. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it burns all the way, he loves me? <laughs> what? I, just... I don't know. This makes me think... What is that movie where they... Or is it a show? Where everybody has the timer? Oh, yes. And it goes off? Are you kidding me? It's called Timer. Is it called Timer? Best movie ever. Yeah. So it goes off and it's, you like, it's meet on your soulmate and... Yes. Yeah. You've it's seen cute. that movie too? Yeah. And she her cute. soulmate her soulmate's her sister's boyfriend. No, that's so sad. And like she's in love with like the young guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't have a thing because he doesn't want it. And his dad like ripped his out because he wanted to be with his new wife. Yeah. And the brothers goes off like after two seconds. Okay, lots of spoilers, lots of spoilers. Well, yeah, nobody has to watch the movie now. <laughs> you don't have to watch it. I, I told you. <laughs> I love Timer. It's such a it's cute. good movie. It's cute. I If you could have a timer, would you get a timer? Like if you didn't have a boyfriend right now, if you didn't, or even if you had a boyfriend, would, would you be that curious to know? No. Because I feel like, for me, a lot of it is also just, like, the curiosity of it all and, like, the thrill of the chase a little bit. I feel like if you absolutely knew, like, even after you're married, if you absolutely 100% knew, like, this person was made for you, they are your soulmate, you would kind of, like, just give up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I still want to feel like I have to chase whoever I end up with. I think Megan, four years ago, would have been like, hell yes. Mm-hmm. But me now, I'm like, no. no. No, definitely not. But the movie is good because it has so many different viewpoints. It has, no. like, puppy love pretty much with her brother. And it has mm-hmm. her who has a timer but has no time because her soulmate never got a timer. And then yeah. it has the sister whose timer's like for when she turns 100, she'll meet her soulmate. Mm-hmm. And then the dad timer wasn't with who he actually felt he loved. So he ripped yeah. his out. So it's, it's kind of sad. It's a good movie, though. It's just... Mm-hmm. I love that movie. It is good. I'm so glad you've seen that. I feel like I've told people before, <laughs> and they're like, timer, and I'm like, it's so good! <laughs> Anyways. Okay, back to Halloween. Um, so another legend or story is that young girls would often eat, like, these dessert-type things made out of, like, walnuts and hazelnuts and nutmeg, and they would eat it right before they go to sleep on October 31st. And by eating that, it would cause them to dream about their future husband, which is, like, opposite of the shadow doll that makes you dream about the shadow doll. (laughs) (laughs) 
Young women would also toss apple peels over their shoulders and they would hope that the peels would fall on the floor and be in the shape of their future husband's initials. I've also seen like on TikTok that if you look at your thumb, mm-hmm. it has that the initial and also if you took rainwater, so like you set out a bowl, you take rainwater, <laughs> Hillary's like looking at her thumb. <laughs> if you set out a water and you collect rain, set out a water, you set out a bowl and collect rainwater and then take your favorite candle and dump it slowly into the rainwater. It will make the letter mm-hmm. of your true love or whatever. I don't know. I should do it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like I can get a C pretty easily. <laughs> 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 like I, I think I can be like, boop. Okay, done. <laughs> it's a C. Or it might turn into an O for Ozzy. Or an O for Ozzy. <laughs> Too easy for me. Um, exactly. Anyway, he, but if Ozzy I got a J, it would be for James or Jasper. Oh, there you go. There you go. So. You're good. <laughs> I planned it. Ozzy is not my soulmate. He is a soul sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy is my dog and me and him have a love-hate relationship. 90% hate, 10% love. Anyways. Poor guy. I know. Him and Connor, they get along, but I don't. <laughs> That's why you just film podcasts with me. Mm-hmm. And then Ozzy starts barking, and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but then he, like, poses really cute for my ghost photos, and I'm like, why? Those were so cute. Okay, back to scary stories. <laughs> the first Halloween night scary story that stood out to me was in 1963. And the Indiana State Fair held, like, a Holidays on Ice skating event, and a ton of people showed up. Unknowingly, propane gas had been leaking during the event, and it was leaking into the room and the room surrounding the hundreds of people that were attending. During the grand finale of the event, the gas hit a popcorn maker and caused a huge explosion. The death toll was 74, and 400 additional people were injured. Just sitting there watching a show on Halloween, and I really, like, I was thinking about it, and I don't know if it was worse for the people that it actually killed or the people that had to, like, sit there and watch it happen. Like, no matter what, in that room, like, it's just horrible all around. So, that was the craziest thing that I read. My next story is in 1982. Marvin Brandlin was a 69-year-old man, and he was giving out candy to local trick-or-treaters. It had been a long night of passing out candy, and he was getting ready to clean up for the night. Then, he heard a tap at the door. He opened the door, prepared for one last trick-or-treat, but was met with a figure at his door wearing a pillowcase over their head. They peered back at him through the holes they'd cut for their eyes, and the person just very calmly said, Trick or treat, give me your money or I'll shoot. He then pulled out a gun on Brandlin and followed him forcefully into his basement. Brandlin kept a safe down there, and only family members knew about it, so at first he thought it was a prank, which is also very suspicious that Mm -hmm. only his family members knew about it. But the prank soon, or, or wasn't a prank, soon turned deadly. 
and he went to grab for one of his guns, and the person in the pillowcase shot him in the throat, and then the pillowcase guy fled from the scene. In 2010, the pillowcase, like, they sent it off for testing for DNA, but this was, like, almost 50 years later. Yeah, almost 50 years later. And there wasn't enough DNA on the pillowcase to actually make it a match. Hmm. So, something, too, that I wanted to just touch base on was I was looking for, like, crazy things that happened on Halloween besides, like, the two stories I had. Just, like, interesting, like, facts or whatever. And I've talked about Harry Houdini before, and y'all know how I love when our stories go back to other stories we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And he actually died on Halloween. Yeah, I think crazy. I read that. He died on mm-hmm. Halloween after being punched by a college student. So Houdini was known for being able to, like, withstand any punches taken to his stomach. Like, he had some way of, like, blocking out the punch and so it wouldn't hurt him. And so I guess this college student just walked right up to him and said, Hey, aren't you the guy that can take a punch in the stomach? And he said, Yep. And the dude just laid five masses pun- massive, massive punches on Houdini with no, like warning no like hey can i punch you and test it nothing just punched him five times Mm. and that's assault (laughs) that's assault Uh, also murder because he died um Mm -hmm. so after when this happened houdini trying to be like the tough guy that he is he's known for like escaping death pretty much all the time he just kind of like brushed it off and didn't say anything about it but he was in a lot of pain and every time people would ask him, are you okay? Are you okay? He would just be like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not feeling too well, but I'm okay. And then finally, when he decided to finally go to a doctor, it was too late. And the doctor realized that his appendix had been <clears throat> ruptured. Ouch. His appendix had been ruptured. We're being punched. That sucks. Yeah. And then Jeez. another sad one, though, is... a. Uh, River Phoenix died on Halloween. Mm. I didn't know that. We, when I was in Halloween, actually, when I was in Halloween, what? When I was in California for your wedding, like the Friday night before your wedding, we went to Hollywood and we went to L.A. And we drove past the bar and my boyfriend was like, that's where River Phoenix died. And I was like, oh, how do you know that? And he's like, everybody knows that. And I was just I like, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so I passed it. You know, um... Joaquin Phoenix named his baby River. Really? Yeah. So cute. Him and his girlfriend had a baby, and they named it after River Phoenix. And I was like, that's really sad. It's really sweet, though. So, as you guys know, we like to talk about movies to watch. And I think we've already done this one, but you just can't... I don't think we have. Really? Mm-mm. Oh, we did Friday the 13th. Yeah. Not Halloween. Well, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's Halloween. <laughs> We're going to talk about Halloween on Halloween. I don't Perfect. think I've actually seen Halloween then. What? No. It's so good. Now well, that... if anybody's out babysitting tonight, just know he's coming. Oh, that's not nice. What is No, that's what, this, that's what the movie is. Oh, wait. This is the one with J- Jamie Lee Curtis. Jason. No, Michael. Michael! (laughs) (laughs) I've seen this one. I've seen this one. Yeah. It's his sister is the babysitter, 
and he comes after her. And in the white mask. In the white mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I take that back. I take that back. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Everyone on here is probably like, wow, Hillary is so educated and knows so much. <laughs> and Megan's a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just carrying the weight of this podcast. Yeah, shoulders. exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> Hillary is like, you, you can't say that. That's not PC, Megan. And I'm like, I'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got all this back pain all the time. <laughs> I see someone I can feel Hillary tensing on the other side going, oh. <laughs> I say, I don't know what Halloween is, and a part of her like little heart just dies. Dies a little. <laughs> Anyways. Well, let's talk about a movie that you have seen. Okay, well, the other movie that I put down on here is Nightmare Before Christmas. Which is a Christmas movie. Well, apparently, <laughs> gosh, apparently, if you look up, like, the best movies to watch each night of Halloween, like, each night of October, mm. Nightmare Before Christmas is said to be watched October 31st, but... You know why that is. But, you have no, to wait till no midnight, buts. so it's November 1st. Because... Because it happens on November because, 1st. No, because November 1st is the start of... Christmas decorations. Oh my gosh. No, because the movie starts on November 1st. Because. <laughs> no, it's, that's the day Jack's planning to take over Christmas. Not decorations. No, 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 no. It's Christmas, November 1st. Anyways. <laughs> so pick your poison. If you want to watch Halloween and, and Michael Myers, that's his name. I got it. Mm-hmm. You did it. I did it. Um... I always thought how sad it is that that actor's name is Michael Myers. You know? Austin Powers? Mm-hmm. I loved mm. Austin Powers as a kid. I used to get in a lot of trouble oh. because my dad would send me back home and say, everything you watch in that movie is okay. And so I'd go, okay, daddy. <laughs> and I would come home and be like, you fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch it. Oh. I, would, I could watch the scariest movies ever, but I couldn't watch. No. That was where I learned what the middle finger was, and I don't know how many times I had soap in my mouth from my aunt and chased up a tree. Because <laughs> I would run around being like, fat bastard, and then like flicking everyone <laughs> off. I still don't think I've seen that movie. Austin Powers? Like, I know what it is, what? and I know what it's about, and I know like it's the a, characters and stuff. It's but... a Johnson Mole, 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 mole. No? I mean, I know the joke, but I've never seen it. The girls with boobs that are cannons? Yeah. I love Austin Powers. I'm aware. (laughs) My dad and my aunt's favorite memory of me is after watching Austin Powers, I'm in the bathtub. My dad is giving me a bath. I am like four years old. Maybe three and a half. And I just shout at the top of my lungs, get in my belly. So, <laughs> I love Obviously, you love the movie. Anyways, our, our goal here was to talk about Halloween and Nightmare Before Christmas, and I talked about Austin We're Powers. We're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Austin Powers, here it is. That's my movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the end of 13 Days of Halloween. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so. 13 nights of hearing our voices. Mm-hmm. You stuck with if us If you this tuned long. in every night for almost two weeks, bravo to you. 
But my mom has. Aww. She's been texting me every day, like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, and she's like, well, what's what's tonight's episode, or what's tomorrow's, like, just be patient. One of my coworkers has been listening to a lot of them, too. She's been like, I can't really? watch, I can't listen to this one. She points at Ouija. She's like, no, <laughs> not doing that. She and should. then she was like, you were talking about one yesterday, and I don't know where it is. And then I showed it to her, and she's like, okay. And then she, like, started. And I'm like, you're so cute. <laughs> like, thank you. They, like, at the beginning of this, like, on our first or second episode of season two, we were talking about your work friend who had experiences with the Freddy Krueger guy. Oh, I haven't brought Did that up to her. Did you ever finish that? Mm-mm. Oh. I'm too scared. I was hoping that we would have, like closure uh-uh i'm too scared to talk to her about it she also wasn't at work for like a few days so but yeah i don't know her i don't know she also works in our other location so she's only in my yeah. location like once a week but now you brought it up maybe she'll be there tomorrow and i can ask her how is freddie krueger maybe not in that Oof. way but <laughs> <laughs> anyways so thank you for tuning in to 13 days of Halloween, 13 nights of Halloween. Yes. You deserve a trophy if you're still listening to us after 13 episodes. But if you are that devoted to us and our comedy, you can go to Instagram and shoot us a like and follow at more booze, please. Yes, you can. And if you have any crazy stories you would like to let us know about, anything that happened to you on Halloween when you were a kid favorite movies that you've watched any scary stories you can email us mm-hmm. at more booze please and that is plz at gmail.com yep and you can check us out on patreon at slash more booze please or tiktok at more booze please podcasts mm-hmm. and until next time guys